Diablo Immortal is not being released in some EU countries due to government regulations. Plus, Sega has announced the Mega Drive Mini 2 in Japan, but why not a Dreamcast Mini? Tonight is June 5th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. It is uh, the week before the big gaming convention. Oh, wait. There's no big, big gaming convention this week. There is a gaming fest. Coming on this uh, this Thursday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a uh, Summer Games Fest pre-show of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I will be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night, uh, but we do tape this show live each and every Sunday night. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash network, and uh, you can interact with us uh, at that time. Um, and uh, But if not, I completely understand uh, that uh, you, if you can't be here live, uh, we, we love you on the podcast. Uh, Sunday nights are a hard time. Uh, you can join us on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, and that is where we post things throughout the week. And uh, that is where, uh, you know, you can suggest topics for talk on the show. And you would see things like this, this, uh, this thing that I had put in the, uh, here this week, because I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you have Spotify, uh, you have a, um, uh, a they've got a feature called Discover Weekly on Spotify. And uh, what it does is it looks at what you like and then it suggests songs that you may want you may want uh, like and and so you can find new music and so this week on my spotify discover weekly that i posted on my discord server is this song that the breakman may uh, very much appreciate the fact that spotify thinks i might actually want to hear crazy chocobo by shooty hg uh from the final fantasy 13 2 original soundtrack um so you know, if you if you're on a Discord, you get to see that earlier in the week. Uh, and the Breakman is in chat right now, and so I don't know how he feels about what he has done if he has hacked my Spotify to give me the uh, to 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 Crazy Chocobo. Mike Def says Discovery Weekly is a threat to everyone's ears. Uh, and uh, you know, Mike Deft is hovering over the unsub button according to S's show and her man. I'm not going to play it. Uh, and in fact, Spotify gives you a way to say I don't like this song, and I totally said I don't like this song. So it is no longer uh, on 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 my on my Discover Weekly, and and it knows I don't want to hear Crazy Chocobo. I do not want to ride this Chocobo in my Spotify Discover Weekly. So you would see things like that uh, if you were in our Discord, vognetwork.com/discord, uh, and and other things happen throughout the week. The Breakman says that soundtrack is fantastic. The soundtrack is fantastic to the entire 13 series, uh, the, the whole trilogy. 
Uh, that song in particular is not. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. I am going to be at Summer Games Done Quick. Uh, it's in three weeks. It's like 22 days away or something is what the countdown bot says. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's coming up pretty quickly. It's going to be the last week of June. Uh, and I'm going to be, once again, a host uh, or a donation reader, however you want to say it. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because it's also going to be my first time doing one of these that's in person. So I will actually be up in uh, Minneapolis, uh, actually Bloomington, down in that area. I'm actually going to be out there for an entire week uh, and experiencing this in person because I've only done these online, uh, doing the virtual events. But uh, the times have shifted a little bit, like by about like 10 minutes. Uh, so Monday morning on June 27th at about 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time, Liz Starr is going to be running McDonald's Treasure Land Adventures on the Genesis at 8.20 or at 9.20 a.m. right after that. Uh, Puchilin is going to be running Nights into Dreams on the Saturn. Both of those are like a 25-minute game, so they're, they're really quick speed runs. And then right after that, about like 9.50 a.m. Eastern, uh, May the DKC is going to be running The Pathless, and that's a two-hour speed run. Very beautiful game, very beautiful music. It's going to be, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Mike Def says the event hasn't started yet, and it's already behind schedule. Well, they keep adding the daily recaps and stuff. Uh, and actually, the time's jumped up. Like, because originally the Pathless was at 10 a.m., and now it's at 9.50. So they're ahead of schedule already, Mike Def. You don't understand, because they they do things quickly. They're, they're saving the frames. The frames are being saved. Tuesday, June 28th, at about 3.15 p.m. Eastern, uh, Froob is going to be running Yakuza Like a Dragon. That's a little over four hours. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. That is when I know... That I will be working. Uh, there is always a chance that something can happen. Uh, I, I am assuming there are plenty of backup hosts uh, to to fill in. But also, you know, if I happen to be in the room and something happens, unfortunately, like a host doesn't show up uh, or something, I will be able to jump in. But I'm not going to know when that is, and I'm not going to expect that to happen at all. So, um, but uh, it's going to be very, very fun, and it's going to be n- nice seeing. What this looks like, even though it's going to be a small, like the in-person event is going to be a smaller thing than it has in the past. They used to have a big board game room. They used to have panels. It was like, people said it was like a cruise, like a week-long cruise, uh, except you're not locked on the boat and you can leave and you're not on the water and, and all that stuff. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what a week-long video game convention looks like. That's going to be kind of kind of interesting. And so I'll tell you all about it. Uh, when I get back on uh, July 3rd. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into uh, the news that uh, came out this week. I know Summer Games Fest is coming up this pat- uh, coming week. We already had the Sony PlayStation pl- State of Play that had a lot of PSVR 2 stuff on it. Um, and, uh, and and it was kind of cool to see some of the stuff. Although, man, I am tired of horror games. And uh, that was like, it seemed like all it was, was like horror game, horror game, horror game, Stray, you know, the kitty. Uh, then more horror games and more horror games, uh, and, and then Final Fantasy 16, and that was the state of play. That's how it felt, even though that's not actually what it was. That's how it felt. Uh, so, uh, but but what was announced this past week in Japan was a new mini console because we all love our mini consoles now. Uh, and so, Video Games Chronicles reports that Sega has announced its next mini console which will be based uh, on the Mega Drive 2. So uh, the Mega Drive Mini 2 will include 50 Mega Drive and Mega CD titles, and this is the Mega Drive is the Genesis, if you're in the U.S. 
uh, and the Mega CD is the Sega CD, uh, including arcade ports in what Sega describes as a mysterious new work. The list of games confirmed so far is as follows. So there's going to be 50 games. They've only uh, announced these. Silphied, which was a, a CD game. Shining Force CD, which was is it's like a combination of previous Shining Force games. Uh, Sonic CD. So hopefully it has the superior U.S. soundtrack on it. Mansion of Hidden Souls, which is a CD game. This was known in Europe as Umemi Mystery Mansion. Uh, and it, I don't think it was ever released in the U.S., but that's going to be on here on the Japanese version, at least. Uh, Popful Mail uh, for the Mega uh, CD, then Virtual Racing with the Mega Drive, which was a Genesis game, but it had kind of like a Super FX ship in it, uh, What the Genesis equivalent of the Super FX ship. Bonanza Brothers, Shining in the Darkness, Thunder Force 4, uh, Magical Terunot- uh, Teruruto, and Fantasy Zone. So... Fantasy Zone is kind of interesting. So uh, the Fantasy Zone was never released on the Genesis. It was released on the uh, Sega Master System. Uh, so, but they released Super Fantasy Zone for the Genesis, for the Mega CD, or for the Mega Drive. So what they've done is they have remade uh, the the uh, they they've remade uh, the first Fantasy Zone in the Super Fantasy Zone engine. And that's what they're putting on this. The Mega Drive Mini 2 will be released on October 27th in Japan. It will cost about about 10,000 yen, 9,980 yen, which is about 75 bucks. Uh, Sega has yet to confirm a Western release, but they're going to. We all know they're going to. Hey, Summer Games Fest is happening this weekend. What might show up? Uh, the first Mega Drive Mini was released in 2019 and concluded 42 games with the libraries differing per region. It included new ports of Darius and Tetris, which had never been released before. Sega teased the announcement last week with a photo of a chocolate cake shaped like a Mega Drive and a Genesis controller. Uh, Yusuke Okunori, who co-hosted the Mega Drive Mini 2 announcement, suggested in October 2020 that Sega's next mini console could have been based on the Sega Dreamcast. In an interview with Famitsu Magazine following the Japan-only release of the Game Gear Mini, uh, Okunori said he wanted the next project to deliver hardware that had stronger global potential. He said, quote, I think for the next one, we may go with the concept close to the Mega Drive Mini. If I have to say some names, it could be an SG-1000 Mini or a Dreamcast Mini, unquote. So that's what he said. So we're getting the uh, the, the Mega Drive Mini, uh, and, um, and, and we're getting the Mega Drive Mini, too, because I, I like the Genesis Mini. I have it. Uh, and so we're getting the Mega Drive Mini 2, which has a lot of the same stuff. Like, it's, it's just another Genesis. It's just another uh, uh, another Genesis in there. Because how the Sega CD worked, if you don't remember, uh, or if you never really looked into the technical details of how the actual Sega CD add-on worked with the Sega Genesis, is that there was a, a male cartridge connector. So when we say male and female, uh, that's like the direction of the pins. So if you've, you've never worked with technical stuff before, that's essentially when you hear male or female connectors. The male end is what plugs into the female connector. And that's probably a bad way, bad naming convention, but we still use it to this day. Uh, so you, there was a hidden connector on the side of the, the Genesis or the Mega Drive. And you plugged the Sega CD into it, but it was essentially a cartridge. According to the Genesis, it was just a game cartridge, and it had a 128-kilobyte buffer. And that's what it worked with. But what the Sega CD had was the Sega CD had an equivalent processor and some audio hardware because you would route the audio through the Sega CD, not just the Genesis. And it would swap what was in that 128K with its own stuff. 
So it would do processing, throw that into the 128K buffer, and that's what the Genesis saw. So it really was... Like, we make all these jokes like, oh, the the Wii is just two GameCubes duct taped together, and the Wii U is just two Wiis duct taped together, and the Switch is just two Wii U's duct taped together. We make all those jokes. The Sega CD and the Genesis were literally two Sega Sega Genesis, Genesis, duct taped together, except they were connected, not duct tape. It was using a pin connector. But it, it literally was like just two Genesis's working together. And uh, S.J. Matt says, I saw there are Mega Drive CD and 32X add-ons on display for this. Uh, and Podgulch says, hopefully you can hack this one, too. Oh, it's, it's already been hacked. It's not even coming out till October, and they've already hacked it. I mean, come on. Come on. Let's, let's, let's be real here. So you heard that he's like, oh, we're going to do a Dreamcast or an SG-1000 or something like that. So, so why aren't we getting that? Why, why is this just – it's essentially the same hardware. Except now they're emulating two Genesis at once instead of just one. That's why they're able to do this. So why are they not doing the Dreamcast Mini like they said? Well, uh, Video Game Chronicle reports that speaking to Famitsu, uh, Yusuke Onora said that he had considered producing mini versions of classic consoles, but claimed that the cost of producing parts for either a Dreamcast or Saturn would be prohibitively expensive. Uh, so he, he said to the Mega Drive console, quote, some of you may say this isn't a Sega Mat- Saturn Mini or I wanted a Dreamcast Mini. It's not that we didn't think about that direction, unquote. Uh, and he said uh, the development of new boards has been stagnant due to the coronavirus. And of course, it would be a fairly expensive product in terms of cost. I think uh, I also read something else that kind of estimated that it would possibly be like the price of a console like a current console, to be able to have a mini console that does the Dreamcast stuff. I don't exactly believe that because we have a PlayStation Classic, which, yes, uh, the UI sucked, and there there's a lot of problems with it, but it emulated that CD-based system for a decent cost. So that may be, you know, what Sega is able to get. Because, uh, like, the PlayStation Classic came out also before... The whole pandemic screwed up the supply chain and shortages and all that stuff. So it may be true now. It wasn't true if they had done it a couple of years ago because the PlayStation Classic exists. And uh, it does it, it does what it sets out to do. It's just we're all disappointed in what it set out to do. Questbuster says, I still have a Saturn hooked up, but I think I need to replace the CMOS battery again. I think I've replaced the CMOS battery in mine like six times. And I've only had it. I, I haven't had it my whole life. Like, I got it later in life. That's Sharon Matt says, the microprocessor and chip shortage is getting better, but it won't be back to pre-pandemic levels until at least 2023. Uh, we're probably seeing that about a lot of stuff, like even, like, just raw materials to do renovations in your house. Ask me how I know. Yeah, Questbrush says, it seems to really eat up the battery. Yeah, I don't know why. Because, like, I even keep it plugged in, and it still eats up my CMOS battery. So, like, my Saturn is still eating up the battery. So, yeah, whenever it resets the clock, look, thankfully, what Sega did with Saturn is they made it super simple to replace the CMOS battery, which is the little, if you don't know what a CMOS battery is, it's, it's CR2032 is the primary one. Uh, because it, most people don't have watches anymore where you have to replace, because it used to be called a watch battery, where you'd replace the watch. Uh, but it's about, it looks like a little dime. It's about the size of a little coin. Uh, and, and a lot of times you have to like take things really apart to get to that battery. Um, 
and uh, and and with the Saturn, I think it was like just in a compartment. You could just like pull the compartment out, replace the battery, put it in. They, I bet they knew that it ate the the life of that battery a lot more than other things that use that battery, and so that's why they made it so simple. That's what I'd like to think. I'm assuming noble intent here. The Breakman says, I love my Saturn, and there are way too many similar-looking batteries. Yeah, you really do have to look at like what it is, but CR2032 is the common one. That's what the Dreamcast VMU uses as well as the CR2032. So that, that's what a lot of things that I've had. And Tycho Ivan says, I remember you, re- you had to frequently replace the battery on the display for the Dreamcast controller. Yes, that's, and that's the same battery. That's the same CMOS battery that we're talking about. So uh, of this, I am excited for it because I did like the Genesis Mini and, uh, you know, having some Sega CD games on there. And, you know, if they're going to have 50 of them, maybe they'll have some of those Japanese-only games available uh, for us. I, I loved that the uh, TurboGrafx Mini actually just included all those games. So, you're like, yeah, you had the U.S. games and then you had the Japanese games as well. And the Breakman says, I did love the Dreamcast too, but the Saturn was more special to me. I like the Dreamcast because I never got a Saturn. Uh, I was not yet old enough to get a Saturn on my own, and my parents were like, <laughs> no, we're not getting you that. By the time the Dreamcast came around, I had my own money and was living on my own place, even though I'm 29 years old. But we'll just leave that to the past. As Sheridan Matt says, it's not legit unless you get the VMU low battery beep at startup. That happens every time because I don't play my Dreamcast enough. Questbuster says the Dreamcast was fun and had the weirdest ad campaign. Oh, yeah. The Saturn had a weird ad campaign, too. And if you remember, like, about last year sometime, I did this whole stream, bonus stream here at Vogue, of where I went through some old VHS tapes. And I found my Saturn, uh, a, a VHS promotional tape that was sent to me to try to get me to buy the Saturn. And it was, like, all about the theater of the mind's eye. And it was these people in the brain. And, like, the eyes were seeing the games from the Saturn, and it was making all the people in the brain and the central nervous system convulse. And it was, it was, it was freaky. And E3 Reveal does remember 9999. That's when the Dreamcast came out. There's another game that came out at the same time uh, in, uh, in, 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 on 9999 because I remember going to the Best Buy in my college town. And because. It was out in the, my college town. I wasn't in Atlanta. Uh, so they had plenty of Dreamcasts on 9999. I had no problem getting one on launch day. I picked that up. I picked up some games for the Dreamcast. Uh, and then I also picked up a new PlayStation game that had come out on the exact same day, Final Fantasy VIII. So talk about a game that got a little overshadowed by some people for some people, or other people say the Dreamcast got overshadowed by Final Fantasy VIII releasing on the same day. But I remember picking up Final Fantasy VIII and then a Dreamcast and three Dreamcast games. It was a very expensive day, that nine nine ninety nine. Rob Roberts says, Final Fantasy VIII, what do I win? You win, uh, you win dings on the soundboard. That's what you win. So that's why we're not getting a Dreamcast Mini, uh, but we are getting the Sega Genesis Mini. And uh, we all love the Dreamcast. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe in 2024 or 2025, we'll get to the, the Saturn or the, the, the Dreamcast Mini. So, talking about games that, that you would play now and you don't need to, you couldn't play them on a Dreamcast or, or a Saturn because, like, I mean, we all have phones, right? So, don't you have phones? Um, but uh, what about uh, a game that's coming out by, uh, by, by Blizzard uh, that uh, is a franchise that is very beloved, but this uh, title has been kind of maligned by, by, the, the, by the people on the internet uh, because it's not exactly what they're expecting or hoping for, but... 
if you're in certain countries, you're not going to get to play it at all. And uh, GamesIndustry.biz reports that Activision Blizzard will not launch the upcoming Diablo Immortal in multiple territories next month, reportedly due to restrictive legislation in certain countries. According to Dutch news outlet Tweakers, a communications manager at Activision Blizzard, Benelux, confirmed that the game won't release in the Netherlands and Belgium on June 2nd, which was a couple days ago, due to the current operating conditions in those countries. Tweakers also reported that players in both areas were able to pre-register for Diablo Immortal ahead of its launch on mobile and PC, but the option was removed a few days after the game's launch date announcement in April. Another statement by a Blizzard employee to the Diablo uh, Immortal subreddit. There we go. News from Reddit, huh? Also stated the players in the two countries won't be able to download the game due to said restrictions. Uh, it says, quote, the loot boxes in the game are against the law in your country. So unless the gambling restrictions change, the game will not be released in the Netherlands and Belgium, unquote. And then it says, quote, if you manage to run the game, I cannot guarantee that you will not be banned for it, unquote. Uh, so and what they're basically doing there is like if they don't take precautions to stop people in those countries from accessing their game in this global economy that we're in, uh, then they could be held liable. So that is definitely a CYA move. Uh, on Blizzard for saying, hey, you know, if you're in there and you use VPNs, uh, we might ban you for it because we that would get us in just as much trouble as if we launched in your country. So while the publisher did not cite loot boxes as a reason, reason behind the move, both Belgium and the Netherlands have taken strict stances against the inclusion of loot boxes in games. Blizzard stopped the sale of loot boxes in Belgium across some of its other titles in 2018, shortly after the Belgian Gaming Commission ruled that doing so breached several gambling laws in the country. Companies including Nintendo, EA, Psyonix, and Konami have also halted sales in of such in both countries in recent years. The Breakman says, Gamers robbed for fun because of old a-holes. He at least said a-holes. Thank you for that. Uh, that think they know what's best for everyone else. So... Uh, there, here's, the, here's the thing. The games aren't banned. And there's an important distinction. If you kind of dig a little bit deeper into this, uh, the games are not banned. And loot boxes are not actually banned in any of these countries. What is banned is certain aspects of loot boxes. So uh, in Belgium, specifically, we're going to talk about Belgium first. Um, so what is against the law in Belgium regarding loot boxes is that you can't target miners in your advertising of loot boxes uh, and you cannot at, so what's also against the law is advertising more expensive loot boxes with misleading information like using a more desirable item even though there's not a higher chance of you getting that item uh, so like in FIFA they used an image of Ronaldo big if you know if you know football you know who Ronaldo is there's only one Ronaldo no matter how many people are actually named Ronaldo, there's one Ronaldo in football. On their premium packs and a lesser-known player on their regular packs, even though there was not a higher chance of getting Ronaldo with the premium pack. It's against the law in Belgium. And then also not disclosing the odds of getting a certain item. So if you have a loot box in, in, in Belgium, you can't target miners in any of your promotional material. Uh, you can't advertise more expensive characters that aren't more readily available in a premium pack than in a regular pack. And you must disclose the odds that you would get for all the items. Diablo Immortal doesn't do one of those three. And I don't know what it is. I haven't played Diablo Immortal. Uh, so if you can comply with all those three things, you can have all the loot boxes you want in your games in Belgium. But uh, they... Uh, 
I guess they've uh, Blizzard has said, hey, um, we don't want to have to change the game that drastically, and like we can sit here on this on this uh, on this stream, and we can sit here on Twitch and say we hate loot boxes and loot boxes are terrible for gaming and all that stuff. Uh, the reality of the situation is that for every one of us, there are five others who absolutely buy into loot boxes. And there's a reason that games with loot boxes and those type of microtransactions make a lot of money, more money than anything else that the company does. And unfortunately, we have lost. Uh, This is, you know, just like with DLCs. We all thought DLCs, everybody hated DLCs, but then a whole bunch of other people that weren't us bought them. And now we're like, okay, yeah, expansions and DLCs happen. We're okay. Salvalis in chat. Hi, how you doing? It's good to see you. Uh, I've been playing uh, Diablo Immortal on my phone. It's decent. I saw someone streaming it who says they spent $500 on it already. And that's what the government's trying to protect is people like that. But they should be able to make their own decisions. That's why here, over here, we, we let you dig your own grave like that. Uh, Tiger Claw says, I stopped playing mobile games that are free to play because they are just gotcha games. They never end because they constantly add more content to it. Content which will be difficult to get unless you spend way more money. That is absolutely what... It, it's called gotcha for a reason because they got you. Yeah, we, it's a Japanese word that means got you in English. Actually doesn't mean got you in English, but it sounds like it and it makes sense, right? Questbuster says, you can ignore the monetization in Diablo Immortal all the way through the story if that's all you want. But there are also people that will obsess over building their perfect character. The Breakman says, I don't spend money on games, but if other people want to buy frivolous cap- crap for their games, whatever. So in Belgium, they could just comply with those three things, but they have probably sta- decided that Belgium is not a big enough market for them to do any of those three things. So they're like, we're just not going to release in Belgium. And if you're in Belgium and you play it, we may ban you because we don't want to get sued for not following the law in Belgium. Now, the Netherlands is kind of an interesting, different story because the, 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 um, the, the article said it was, it was, they were not releasing in the Netherlands and Belgium. And uh, they, Netherlands is a different case because there was a story that I missed a couple months ago about a big loot box case. We, and, and this is what, what happens here in the media, which I'm using my quotey fingers because I don't consider myself a journalist or part of the media. Uh, is that we will like really talk about the start of something, but we will never talk about the resolution. So I'm sure we talked about at the start of uh, EA being fined in the Netherlands over loot boxes in uh, from FIFA. And we probably talked about it at the beginning and because it happened very early on uh, back in, in 2019. We probably talked about it then. We didn't talk about how that story ended. And it finally ended a couple months ago. So this is old news, but it's news we didn't talk about. PC Gamer reports that Electronic Arts has successfully appealed a 10 million euro or 10 uh, or 11 million US dollar fine levied against it in the Netherlands over loot boxes in FIFA Ultimate Team. So uh, a, uh, a ruling by the Administration Jurisdiction Division, the country's highest general administrative court, has determined that purchasing and opening f- uh, football FUT packs, foot packs, is not an isolated game, but rather a component of foot, and thus the game is not required to be licensed. So what had happened is that uh, the courts in, like, 2020 
ruled that you can't do this, and they're going to fine EA 500,000 uh, euros every single week that they allow for loot box purchases of Football Ultimate Team in the Netherlands, up to 10 million euros. So EA's like, well, we're not changing it, and we're not paying the fine. Uh, and so they went to court, and it finally uh, got ruled uh, earlier this, this year. In 2018, the Netherlands Gaming Authority investigation into loot boxes uh, went into loot boxes in 10 different games, found that four of them were in contra- uh, contravention of the country's gambling laws, and publishers were warned to either modify them or face enforcement action. Publishers of three of the four offending games agreed to change them to meet legal requirements, but Electronic Arts did not. Uh, it was hit with a fine in 2019, appealed and lost in 2020 when the District Court of The Hague, this must be a war crime, ruled that FIFA is a game of chance as defined by the country's Betting and Gambling Act. EA appealed that ruling, and this time around, it came out on top. Uh, the court declared, quote, The gaming authority should not have imposed a penalty payment on the publisher of the FIFA 22 computer game in 2019. The so-called packs or loot boxes, which contain virtual football players, can be traded on a virtual transfer market in FIFA 22 are not games of chance that require a license. The publisher has not broken the law, unquote. So where the court in the Netherlands differed from the the lower courts is that they determined that Football Ultimate Team, uh, it is primarily a game of skill, much like how pinball is a game of skill, but everybody thought it was a game of chance. And so pinball was banned in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um. It's a game of skill, but it was spiced up by the food packs that add an element of chance. It adds a little bit of RNG. The definition was reached because while packs cannot be opened during matches, they are opened within Football Ultimate Team itself. The court declared that foot black markets aren't relevant because they focus primarily on complete accounts rather than the individual card packs, the vast majority of which are used for the game. Uh, it says, uh, the quote, the publisher has therefore not violated the Games of Chance Act and the gaming authority should interfere or should therefore not have imposed a penalty payment on the publisher. The administrative jurisdiction division has revoked the imposed penalty. This means the penalty is off the table, unquote. Uh, so essentially what they were, what, what they ruled is that, yeah, the loot boxes exist. They have, they have an element of chance, but that is not the game. The game is the actual playing of soccer with the players and the player has to be good in order to make use of those good cards. And you can have bad players and beat a bad player who has good players. So you can, you can beat someone who's terrible at playing the game, even though they have great players and you have bad players. So they have determined that it is still a game of skill and therefore not against the law. Uh, And so that's where the Netherlands went. Now, Diablo immortal, uh, they have still decided that they're not going to launch in the Netherlands right now, even though Electronic Arts just won in court. The Rigman says, and EA dances on the graves of their enemies once again. And S. Jeremiah says, yeah, and you can grind to get play, uh, and play to get packs for Ultimate Teams, but it takes 20 matches to put those packs to possibly get better players. This is assuming you win all those 20 matches. Otherwise, it's 30 matches. So, yeah. so uh, But that's what happened in the Netherlands. So the EU has been kind of a hotbed of... Uh, groups trying to regulate loot boxes. And another thing happened this week that uh, that may help in this situation. Now, for Diablo Immortal, there are people that just don't care. Like, they don't care about the loot boxes. They just want to play, and they're upset at their government for trying to overprotect them 
from from the gambling. Uh, and there's more of that. More EU countries want to get on that. So game, uh, Video Games Chronicle reports that 20 consumer groups from 18 European countries are launching a coordinated action asking authorities to pass regulations on loot boxes. The groups are lending their support to a new report from the Norwegian Consumer Council entitled Insert Coin, How the Gaming Industry Exploits Consumers Using Loot Boxes. The consumer groups are calling for a number of measures, including a ban on deceptive design, extra protections for minors, and transactional transparency. So once again, those are the same three things that we talked about. Deceptive design is putting Ronaldo, a really good football player, on on the premium packs, where they had a standard player on the regular packs, uh, and insinuating that you had a better chance of getting Ronaldo in the premium pack when you really didn't. So that's the deceptive design. Extra protections from miners. They don't want you to you know try to sell these to miners or try to try to get miners to want them by advertising to them. And transactional transparency is showing the odds. So it's the same three things. The report accuses companies of exploiting consumers by using mechanisms that it claims are predatory and fostering addiction. Uh, While calls for legislation on loot boxes have been taking place for a number of years, this new action is notable because of the number of nations being represented in a single coordinated campaign. The 20 organizations represent consumers in Austria, Bulgaria, Czech Republic, Denmark, France, Germany, Greece, Iceland, Italy, Latvia, Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland, with the NCC coordinating and leading up the campaign alongside the European Consumer Organization in Brussels. The NCC's 59-page document uses FIFA 22 and Raid Shadow Legends as case studies. Finally, we mentioned Raid Shadow Legends on this show, even though they're like, maybe, you know, you can be an affiliate and give out a code and people can get Raid Shadow Legends and you can get get money from us for advertising as a Twitch streamer. Anyway, claiming, quote, both games enjoy a wide arsenal of tricks to push consumers into spending as much time and money as possible, exploiting consumers who hope to receive the reward despite a minuscule chance and likelihood to do so, unquote. Um... So, according to the report, the sale and presentation of loot boxes often involve e- exploiting consumers via exploiting cognitive biases and vulnerabilities through deceptive design, uh, using aggressive marketing practices to push sales at every opportunity, uh, giving meaningless or misleading transparency disclosures about the likelihood to win or lose that are difficult to assess, using opaque algorithms and skewed probabilities using layers of virtual currencies to mask or distort real-world monetary costs, uh, the very high cost of freemium and endless grinding, uh, the risk of losing content at any time, and the targeting of loot boxes and manipulative practices at kids. So following the uh, publication of the report, the NCC's director of digital policy, Finn Meersted, said, quote, loot boxes have been the source of several controversies already. Through our work, we have established that the sale and uh, presentation of loot boxes often involve exploiting consumers through predatory mechanisms, fostering addiction, targeting vulnerable vulnerable consumer groups, and more, unquote. And then he also said, quote, despite being a major industry, the video game sector has largely evaded regulatory scrutiny. Prevailing business models are technically complex or novel, which means they're new and we haven't seen them before. Not that they're a book. They're not, they're not an open book. 
their closed book. Uh, video games are considered a niche entertainment market by many authorities. Due to the sheer size of the market and the number of affected consumers, national and EU authorities should prioritize regulatory investigations and interventions. We call for a number of measures, including a ban on deceptive design, extra protections for minors, and transactional transparency. Authorities and industry must take responsibility to ensure a safe environment for gamers, unquote. Questbuster does say, uh, if I recall correctly, Raid Shadow Legends apparently pays really well for sponsorships, which explained why a while back they were getting a lot of streamers showing it off. As Sharon Matt says, that the problem with the Ultimate Teams is that they're constantly coming out with boosted special versions of players, so you'll always be chasing. You grind to play 100 matches to maybe get Ronaldo. By the time you get that version of Ronaldo, there's already five other boosted versions of Ronaldo that make your version of Ronaldo look like the derpy statue version of, of Ronaldo. Yes, if you look up Ronaldo in his statue, it, it's amazing. That's what he's referencing for the people that don't follow the sports ball. But... This also affects games that aren't sports games. So, you know, anything that has loot boxes like, and you know, like Diablo Immortal, apparently. The Breakman says, I'd be scared if I was the game industry, either regulate themselves or the government will get involved. And that, that's what happened in the 90s, in the early 90s, when Night Trap was all the rage on Capitol Hill. Uh, and Mortal Kombat was all the rage on Capitol Hill. And it was uh, Joseph Lieberman, Senator Joseph Lieberman, who was like... Uh, either y'all figured this out or we're going to figure it out for you. And the, and the video game industry came up with the ESRB and they figured it out themselves. Uh, and, you know, Nintendo went on Capitol Hill and said uh, Night Trap will never show up on a Nintendo console. And then, you know, 30 years later, it comes out on the Nintendo Switch. So, you know, times change. And it only got a T rating. Night Trap is only rated T for teen, by the way. And it was like going to like destroy America if you ask any legislator in 1992. So, yeah, so I, I, it's the problem with this, though, that's different from the video game violence issue that we had in the U.S. in the early 90s is that with the video game violence uh, stuff, uh, Walmart won't stock your stuff. And when Walmart says we're not going to stock games that have excessive violence, uh, the video game industry kind of takes notice because that was the number one retailer of video games was Walmart, not not Electronics Boutique, not, not GameStop, not Funko Land. Uh, it, w- it was Walmart. And Walmart stood up and said, no, we're not selling that. We're not going to sell that. So the video game industry had to figure out some way to get M-rated games back into Walmart or, or games that would eventually be rated M back into Walmart and not have to worry about the government arresting people for selling video games. And they find, they did that with the ESRB. So, yes, it is kind of the the... the the, the, the wolf guarding the hen house type of thing where the industry is regulating itself, but it was good enough to get the government to not regulate video games. Other, you know, some states have tried and failed by the Supreme Court. Just ask, uh, you know, Governor Schwarzenegger how that ended up, even though he was no longer governor by the time it got to the Supreme Court, but the California lost. The Breakman says Walmart is still big, but I think Amazon is number one now. I, I don't know who's number one now. Uh, also, because it's, it's also kind of hard to tell, like, it, they, they stopped showing sales numbers. Let's put it that way. And so you can't even get good sales numbers anymore. As Sharon Matt says, not getting your stuff on the shelf at Walmart was a death sentence for games and movies and music, actually, because for a while, Walmart wouldn't stock the parental advisory lyrics version. You had to make a clean version to sell your CD at Walmart. 
Questbuster says the odds for certain drops in Immortal are depressingly listed, and the low rates almost guarantee that people eager to push for that one more roll of the dice might be tempted to keep going. It even has a pity system for guaranteeing a drop after so many tries. I don't like it when the government has to come regulate something, but I also don't like hearing more stories of kids spending thousands of dollars of their parents' credit card uh, and parents flipping out because their kids spent that much on loot boxes uh, like for Genshin Impact or something like that. Um, so I think there needs to be some kind of protection for the consumer in that. But also, if someone's old enough, they should be allowed to 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 make their own decision and ruin their own life. Salvala says, in the end, why do kids have their parents' credit card number? Some of this comes down to basic parenting. Um, so I will... Some parents don't know every aspect of what's going on. Uh, of you know, and and sometimes like there have been times when they've forgotten to lock down their payment method on their iOS device so the kid can actually buy things. Um, and I will tell you that I did this to my parents when I was a kid. So I actually did the hundreds of dollars of charges that scared my parents because of being online. Uh, because obviously I'm 29 years old, so this was it was it was longer than that. Um, so I was on this service on the Commodore 64. I was on an online service called QLink or Quantum Link. Uh, it was uh, run by a company that they they made a PC version of it. It was called America Online. But I was on QLink. I was on the predecessor, and QLink had some you know you you paid per month for 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 access to it, and you called in with your modem on your Commodore 64 and. Uh, they, they had some chat rooms and stuff and they had a, a virtual, they had an MMO essentially. They had a, a visual mud is what I would really call it because you could only have like 16 people in a room. So it wasn't really massive, but they had an MMO. It's called Club Caribe. And it was, uh, it was a variation of, of Habitat, which was by Lucasfilm. I've talked about this on the show before. There's a whole revival right now, uh, of, uh, the servers. You can actually play it now in vice. Uh, they've remade the server. So you can actually play club, uh, habitat now. But the thing about that is that, uh, those features like the chat room and club Caribe, uh, those you paid per minute. So, uh, and it was, might've been like something like six cents a minute or eight cents a minute to access these things. And little Bobby did not know uh, really the value of money yet at the time. But, you know, my parents, my dad, who actually did know online stuff because he was a sysop of a BBS, uh, didn't really, like, understand the breadth of what a Commodore 64 could do because he was already on uh, the PC compatibles, right? And so, you know, six, six cents a minute or eight cents a minute, something like that. I don't know. Uh, and I think they even had, like, premium time. It was, like, 24 cents a minute, like, during these times. And, and you know, I didn't have any concept of this because I wasn't paying for it, right? Uh, then the bill comes after the first month, and it's, like, $500. Now, I didn't have access to my parents' credit card, but they got the bill and saw the bill and immediately flipped out at me, and I was grounded for quite some time. I never logged back onto Q-Link again in my life. Uh, but, like... They And that was them. They were smart about things because my dad was also in that world. He was on CompuServe, and he wouldn't let me on CompuServe because they charged per minute. Uh, he didn't realize that QLink also charged per minute. As Jared Matt says, Little Bobby got his first introduction to the Banhammer. Yes, that was the first introduction to the online Banhammer as a kid. Little Bobby made some mistakes. I did. 
I did. Paleonimea says, the days of all private BBS uh, and no internet access. Yeah, I love those days. My dad was my dad was big in that scene in the 80s. In fact, like there's so, some uh, documents about Atlanta BBS scene uh, that uh, that have my na- dad's name on it still to this day because he was he was a major figure in in the Atlanta scene because uh, in Atlanta the uh, 404 area code was the largest area code in America at the time and uh, so we had access to a whole bunch of BBSs because we didn't have to pay long distance for them I was not allowed to call long distance BBSs my dad knew better about that um, so it, it's the point I guess I'm making is that even with parents who are tuned in, they some things still slip through the cracks, and it's super difficult to be a parent uh, even when you know what's going on. But then you get the parents who weren't raised in this environment, and they don't know everything what to look for. So it may seem common sense. Why should the kids have access to your credit card? Well, kids can still rack up a big bill without direct access to your credit card. And uh, all I've learned is that parenting is hard, and I'm glad that I'm not a parent because I'm not sure how good of a parent I would be. So uh, we are going to take a quick music break, and then uh, we'll uh, come back and uh, talk to OLR about what they're going to be talking about and maybe their thoughts on uh, the loot box ban. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show and the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Tiger Wizard or Katie Adkins of D4 and Quit on the Macabre. And when I'm not being murdered in a closet, I'm participating in the Bobby Black Wolf Show. Please don't murder me. <laughs> yeah, okay, I won't. I won't. I won't murder you, Katie Adkins. Thank you for doing that bump, uh, promo back when we could do those at Dragon Con. Too many loot boxes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, you do not have to be uh, on an Adult Swim infomercial uh, like Katie was. All you have to do is contact me on Discord. I just need a uh, either audio file or video of you uh, with just your voice. Uh, I will choose what DMCA violation I want to put behind it. Uh, and then, then it can be part of uh, saying that you're, you're watching the Bobby Blackwell Show or participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show or we're back to the Bobby Blackwell show. Uh, one of the things that was in there uh, in that music break was uh, a promo for Southern Fried Gaming Expo. And uh, that is uh, here in Atlanta, July 15th through 17th. And it is a pinball and arcade convention. And I am uh, one of the featured guests. And I was actually, I'm even in the promo for like like half a second. They actually show me hosting a panel. Uh, I'm in my natural habitat. So you can find that uh, on YouTube. We aired it here on the, uh, during the break here uh but it is an arcade pinball expo and voice of geeks network we are proud to be a sponsor of it once again uh so we will have our logo around the the convention uh in in several different places so that's going to be very excited uh exciting and uh i'm going to be at least hosting one panel about twitch streamers and hopefully hosting another panel about speed running uh with a uh, big name speedrunner. so uh it hasn't totally been completely finalized like the ink is drying but it's not completely dried yet um so uh um yeah so that that's uh that's coming up so if you're going to be in the atlanta area uh feel you know and you feel like playing some arcade and pinball games it's a wonderful show it's actually my favorite gaming convention 
right now. It's my favorite convention I go to. I love Dragon Con, but Southern Fried Gaming Expo is really my favorite. And so I love uh, I love supporting it, and I love the fact that uh, financially uh, Vogue is able to support them uh, and stuff. So uh, normally we take calls, and I'm going to check. I don't think anybody's in the green room, but no. But we do have a question here because we were talking about um, parenting before the break. And DJ Ronma asked ask question. If if you and the wife, he's asking me, if you and the wife were to have kids, would you give them video game theme names? Um, probably not. I, I don't think we would. We haven't had that conversation because we know we're not having kids. We've talked about what to name pets, and uh, I've traditionally named my pets after computer terms, and I don't know if that's going to fly with both of us when we get new pets. Uh, now that we're currently between pets right now, uh, renovating a kitchen, and then uh, once the kitchen's renovated, we're going to get two new kittens. Uh, so hopefully in a couple months, I'll have two new kittens. But um, we haven't really talked about that. I know in my family, generally, we've done at least one of the names has been an ancestor. Um, so like my middle name is my dad's first name. Uh, or or my, my first name is my dad's middle name. My middle name is like my grand one of my grandfather's first names. And so it's that's we've kind of kept it in the family like that and kind of continued the, the naming conventions through there. So, uh, DJ Ramos says, I know someone who named their kids cloud and Tifa. And I, I wouldn't do that mainly because, uh, even with a name like Bobby, I got bullied sometimes in high school for it. Uh, so, you know, you're going to get bullied in high in school for your name. Uh, and I was bullied in elementary school, not necessarily high school, but like you get made fun of for your name anyway, no matter what it is. Um, and, uh, you're just making it harder if it's a, you know, a name that's more esoteric, I would say, uh, at least that's been my experience and that's how I would do it as a parent. I'm not saying that's how you need to be a parent. I am not parenting your kids or your future kids. Uh, that's just how we would look at it. So, um, and E3VL says some people made movie, movie based names, Elsa and Leia. Uh, I mean, I, I will say. Um, that it's not necessarily like movie based. It's not necessarily out of uh, the, the the realm of possibility, even in my family, because one of my nephews is named Connor. Uh, and uh, people, you know, they're like, "Why did you name him that?" Well, my my brother really liked Highlander, and so it actually is Connor, as in Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, but it's just Connor. But that's more of a common name. Like you don't have to know that it's from that he named him specifically because of Highlander. Yeah, S. Jaron Matt says, a lot of the kids born during the Twilight movies are grown up now. A lot of people named Edward and Bella is out there now. Oh, I mean, uh, Jennifer is was a very popular name. There was a big, big uh, character in the 70s, and that's why Jennifer was the most popular girl name in the 70s and 80s. So, you know, you, a lot of if you get, like, a bunch of 40-year-old women together, chances are a good portion of them are named Jennifer. It's just, that's just how it is. So, yeah. So, w- would I do it after video game characters? Probably not. Uh, should you do it after video game characters? If y'all want. Coming up next, here on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash network, it's Orange Launch Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and uh, we like to check in with them and see what's going on uh, over there and what they're going to be talking about and what they're playing and, and, you know, just chat because I get to talk to Rob for, for, for a little bit each week, and it's great. So uh, we like to check in with them. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. Sorry it took me a minute. No, How are you? This is, I'm doing well. So if you, if you had kids and got to name uh-huh. kids, <laughs> would you name them after video game characters? 
Probably not. I mean, look at our cats. But then again, the cats, well, Mr. Smush was named after a personality trait. People think it's mm-hmm. his looks, which is, you know, it's it's a nice uh, mm-hmm. coincidence. But that was really a personality trait because when we put our hand out, he smushed his whole um, face mm-hmm. into the hand, as you mm-hmm. know, sometimes cats do. Yeah. Um, Cheddar was named for us, and I said I hated that name and I wanted to change it. But it wasn't until the first night he was here when he hopped up on the bed and started making biscuits on mm-hmm. us where I was like, oh, Cheddar Bay biscuits like Red Lobster. Okay, I'm all right with this name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it grew on me. Um, so I mean, obviously, it's it's difficult to name a baby uh, after a personality trait. But I like it's kind of what you were saying. Like we we the conversation is we're not having kids, so it's not really yeah. a problem for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not having kids either. Uh, but like you know, but cats like yeah, sure. I actually have a friend. They named their cats Zelda and Link. Cool. So, so you know, pet names absolutely go go for it. Yeah. I mean, my pets were named Pixel and Vector. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those were computer terms, and that's that's what my cats, my most recent cats, were named. Uh, mm-hmm. My some of my cats in childhood were cur- called Cursor. We had a mm-hmm. Cursor. We had we had Sprite, which was not because of the drink. Everybody thought it was because of the soft drink, but it was uh, a Sprite is a fast moving graphic, and we that's how we mm-hmm. had to explain it in the nineties when we were telling people, no, it's based on the computer term. Uh, so, and then my, they, my parents got Icon and Bios were their next two cats after I had moved out. Um, so, so we kind of did the computer naming thing and that's, that's how we did with the pets, but we wouldn't name a, a child that an actual like child who has to go to school. Yeah. I, I did say years ago that a, uh, a girl's, you know, when I thought that I might have kids someday, um, I, I, a girl's name I really liked was Melina. Uh, and especially if you know my actual bi- biological last name, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of rolls off the tongue yeah. a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, I, that was a name I really liked. But yeah. um, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But that would have been that would have been one where it was like actually there was um, yes it's character in a video game, but I saw a spelling that I really liked uh, of like a soap opera star or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not necessarily that you really like the thing; it's that you heard it somewhere and you're like, oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Zen Monkey Eleven says, "Didn't Robin Williams name his daughter Zelda?" Yes, he did. Zelda Williams yeah. is his daughter, and they did mm-hmm. some Nintendo ads together. And she completely un- knows. Yes, it's, I was named after the video game character, and yeah. they kind of own it. So it, it there's can a lot work. of Zeldas out there for that reason. But Zelda yeah. was also a classic, you know, kind of o- o- old fashioned name, I suppose. Yeah. Zelda is also one of the ant names in Sabrina and the Teenage Witch. Like it's an old fashioned name, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so Zordla, on the other hand, I have not heard as a name yet. I, and I haven't heard Sanic yet. Yeah, but there's still time. I mean, yeah. maybe some OLR chat listeners are inspired. I don't know. Yeah. No, and, and honestly, also, like, if like, if you haven't had kids, and this is what I learned from, from friends of mine, so living vicariously through friends of mine who had kids, mm-hmm. uh, he kept joking, and he was dead serious. Like, he was joking, but also, like, he was he's the type of person that would actually do this joked that he was going to give his firstborn the middle name of Danger. So he could say, Danger is my middle name. And he was all about this. And we, we was like, because it wasn't going to be the first name. It was going to have a traditional first name, traditional last name. But his middle name was going to be Danger. And about a week or two before Danger, future Danger was going to be born, he fast-forwarded in his mind to high school to what if mm. he actually takes that name seriously? And how much trouble is he going to get in? Because he's going to be like, "Danger is my middle name, ha ha!" And he's like, "I'm going to give him a traditional middle name. We're not going to call him Danger." Uh, but what yeah. he did do for the birth announcement is he did act like Danger was his middle name, put quotes around it, 
But on the birth certificate, it, that's not his middle name. But like for us, he did say, "Oh yeah, no, we totally named him Danger as a middle name." But he was like, he like looked forward to teenage years, and he's like, "Do I want to deal with a teenager who I n- gave the middle name of Danger to?" Interesting. I never did. Sorry, I see Loki in chat who's saying that we were very close to giving my first son the middle name of Vader. I didn't know that. Wow. That's, that's yeah. I, I have to ask more about that on OLR tonight. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so. And pod, sorry, pod culture brings up. I actually go by my middle name, which obviously most people know that about me. I have a fake last name and a fake first name. So I'm just a fake person, I guess. Yeah. But um, I have traditionally well, ever since the day I came home from the hospital, I've gone by my middle name. Nobody yeah. calls me my my legal first name. And um, but it's funny because that was all changed. Rob was not ever intended to be my middle name. My actual first name was supposed to be my middle name. But the name I was originally going to be named was Brad, and they changed that like the day I was born mm-hmm. um, because my I was uh, my my real real name comes, which I'm I'm not going to say. It. Some of you might know, but I'm not going right. to say it on air because right. uh, it could be a password reset type of question. Um, but my real real name uh, is one of my grandparents, my grandpa who had passed mm-hmm. before I was born. But it was kind of a well-known fact that my parents were going to um, ma- ensure, or I should say my dad was going to have a very simple operation to ensure there would be no more children after me. Um, so um, my other grandma spoke up and kind of said, well, how come he doesn't get named after both grandparents? So Robert mm-hmm. was my other grandpa. Okay. So it's fun, fun story. No one asked for about where my yeah. name came from. Not a video game. And, and, and also fun <laughs> story about my name, because back when you, you, you know, I'm 29 plus back then, mm. back when you and I were born, you couldn't tell the gender of the baby from an ultrasound. So parents didn't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because they didn't. I came out head first and the doctor said it's a girl. Yeah. So they didn't know. Was, oh, wait. So, so they had to. <laughs> so uh, most parents picked both a boy and a girl name. And so uh, my mom told me, like, yeah, if you were a girl, and I, I am so glad I was not, a, I was not born a girl because uh, of uh, the, the stigma that this name carries in this day and age of 2022. If I was a girl, I would have been named Karen. Oh, yeah, but I know Karens. That- yeah. They, 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 they actually that are legit some of the coolest people i know yeah so i feel like if you get that name as your assign you know your birth name then yeah. it's like you somehow get a pass and all this other crap yeah. probably because you have to deal with sharing the name that yeah. that's kind of funny though yeah. uh so video games uh we talked a lot about names instead of video games so yeah, what else are you going to be talking about on orange lounge radio tonight all right. Well, in this pre-not uh, E3 week, of course, we've uh, talked about the – on your show, you talked about the Sega Genesis Mini. We didn't talk about the Sony State of Play. So we'll talk a little bit more in detail about um, some of the things we saw there mm-hmm. and a big leak that's already happened. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of beyond rumor status at this point because the official Street Fighter Twitter account has kind of – they didn't confirm it, but they mm-hmm. kind of said – it's not fake either, so yeah. they didn't deny it. So I think it's I think it's legit. Uh, also, there was a big Pokemon update. You know, we love our mm-hmm. Pokemon update. So we'll talk a little bit about what's the latest for Scarlet and Violet. And basically, what it is is that if you are bisexual, you are winning. Happy Pride! Okay. Yeah, I really hope. I really hope that Lechonk evolves into Lethic. <laughs> T-H-I-C-C. That, that's just all I hope for <laughs> right would, there. That would be wonderful. Or, or, or Lechungus is another one I've heard. That's, that's yes. what I want Lechung to evolve into. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby.
So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vlog network. We'll probably talk about stuff that happened at the Summer Games Fest, the not E3 thing that's happening on E3 week. Uh, So, uh, yeah. We'll probably talk a little bit about that and uh, talk about stuff that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, so, yeah. So, I- I'm on Twitter, at Bobby Blackwolf. We will not be, like, doing any kind of live stream with the Summer Games Fest. We were invited. Vogue Network was invited to do, like, an official co-stream like we've done for, like, the Video Game Awards. Because it's Jeff Keeley's stuff. We're on Jeff Keeley's mailing list. So, heart- hi, Dorito Pope. How you doing? Um, but uh, because it's during the middle of the day, we can't, like, take off work. Uh, to do it so we're we're not going to be doing any kind of official co-stream uh we probably will host it on the twitch channels uh, on our twitch channel so you can interact with our chat if you want instead of the official chat uh but uh yeah we'll be talking about that this week or uh in our discord server hognetwork.com slash discord i may tweet some things about it at bobby blackwell if you want to know what i think before sunday uh but uh or you could just uh tweet back to back at us when we talk about it uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody. But it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make this live show work without the help of the chatters and the chatters that go above and beyond. So you being here is really all we ask. Uh, it's what we what we love. But some people do go above and beyond. I, I do want to thank Salvalis for resubscribing. Thank you so much for resubscribing to the channel uh, and, 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 and supporting us in that way. And also the 5-bit cheer. That is very, very much appreciated. Uh, love that. And uh, hope you had an enjoyable time tonight. And I hope you have and continue to have an enjoyable time during Orange Launch Radio tonight. And I'm going to hit the button so we can go ahead and get to OLR. Uh, and uh, I'll see you next week after we have all the game announcements that we can handle for things that are going to come out in 2024. Let's be real. See you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.